Welcome to episode two of I Guess We're Grownups Now. I'm your host, Carrie Halstead. All the details for this episode and others can be found at goodstuff.fm slash grownups. Tonight, my guest is Jay Barron, and we're going to spend some time talking about what it's like being a grown-up. I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, welcome to I Guess We're Grownups Now, and today my guest is Jay Barron. He is Action Jay on Twitter, and he joins me tonight. How are you, Jay? Not bad. Pleasure to be here. Welcome to the podcast. I want to say that Jay and I don't really know each other. We Have we met in real life at like a bar camp or anything? I think we met at some tweet-ups. Oh, yes. Okay. So we are Twitter acquaintances and Saskatoon barely acquaintances, but this is kind of fun chatting with somebody who's a relatively unknown friend. So I look forward to that. Excellent. Thanks for listening to the first episode of my podcast. It's very exciting for me to think about people listening to the stuff I'm putting out there. <laughs> and thanks for being my first guest. Hey, no problem. Um, I heard you put it out and listened almost the second it came out. <laughs> and it really spoke to me. So Great. I think it's going to be fun. What really, what resonated with you about it? What? While you were talking, I was just, you know, going through my adult duties with the kids and supper time and bedtime and all that. And you were talking about how it feels to like look back and wonder if you're really an adult yet. Has it kicked in? At what point does it, is it like official that you're an adult? And I'm sitting here with two kids doing bedtime, bath time and all that thinking maybe I am, but you know, it doesn't really feel like it. I still geek out over stuff. I still play video games. All right. Are your, tell us a little bit about your regular daily life. You've got a job and a family and tell us about yourself. Uh, sure. Um, I have a job in tech support, so I'm at a desk taking phone calls all day, helping people with their computers. And in my off time, I'm at home looking after the family. Um, when I do have free time, it's a lot of, you know, taking all the geek stuff, the movies and comic books and video games. Did you go to the comic uh, expo that was on this weekend at Prairie Island? I just missed it. I ended up uh, having to work throughout the weekend. Bummer. I was really upset about that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't go either, but I, I heard it was pretty good. I heard it was bigger than last year. Mm -hmm. I guess there's demand from adults who are still kind of kids at heart, too. Yeah, it seems like this entire generation is kid at heart. We seem like the first generation that almost uses juvenile things as markers of our adult our earned freedom as adults. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think my parents did anything immature. Yeah, when you think of what did our parents do for fun, like, maybe they went bowling, went yeah. to the bar, drank scotch, golf. Those are really traditional adult things. Playing poker. You know, I wonder if their parents wouldn't have thought of bowling and poker as adult things, though. Maybe. And then what did they do? Right. <laughs> I picture them mending socks. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> so is adulthood different than what you thought it would be? Like, think about when you were a kid, you know, 12, 14. What did you picture being an adult would be like? 
I kind of had a, a cheat in mind that I wouldn't have to become an adult mm. and that I would be a famous movie star or artist instead. Because it doesn't seem like they have to grow up. They get to have fun all the time, right? But if I had to default to adulthood, I'd be behind a desk in a suit with a briefcase. No idea what my job would actually be. But that's what an adult does. Right. Yeah, I think I was similar. I think I thought corporate job was like the marker of being a grown-up. And until you get that corporate job, you're just doing... You know, silly little summer jobs. Yeah, exactly. Retail or fast food or tech support. <laughs> I worked in a gas station. Mm-hmm. That was one of my summer jobs. Which, I mean, it's funny because I was surrounded by adults. I was the only kid working there. It's not like it was a bunch of kids. But I didn't take it seriously as a as a job, even though those people clearly did. You know, mechanic is a serious grown-up job. Oh, yeah. I tagged along to work at uh, the tire shop when I was in high school uh, and you know I was the only kid there and I didn't take the job seriously I made a fort out of tires and just kind of <laughs> hit out and played there it was fun but I, I learned how to balance tires and I learned how to do a wheel alignment you think it convinced you to pursue more of a blue or a white collar job maybe I don't know. Maybe. Like, I didn't like getting dirty. Uh, I didn't like the, the honest hard day's work that they did there. It wasn't up my alley at all. So if you could go back to and talk to 14-year-old Jay, what would you tell him is different about adulthood? I mean, I realize there's no point because we didn't listen to adults back then. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, the, the biggest huge secret I would have to let myself in on is, hey, all this cool stuff that you get to enjoy right now, the, the video games, the comics, the superhero movies that everyone thinks that you're just a geek about and an outcast about, is going to be the central molding point of our entire culture in 20 years. Hmm. And everyone's going to be into it. And it's going to be okay. I wonder if an adult told you that. If you'd be like, well, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> Are we constantly yeah, uh... rebelling, whether we're kids or adults, just trying to forge our little unique spot? Yeah, if it's your, like, uh, not not your cool uncle, because that's when you look up to, but, right. you, know, you know, the square in your family who sits you down and says, hey, it's that... cool that you like this stuff, and they're trying to identify with you, and you're like, no, no, it's not. I've been that cool aunt. That's terrible. I've been the cool uncle, too. Yeah. I guess you got to try at some point. Yeah. Well, they don't know you well enough to uh, know that you're not cool deep yeah. down inside. Yeah. Uh, when you were a kid, did you have any adult role models besides your parents? Uh, my adult role models. Thinking back... And I was big into blockbuster movies, and I wanted to be on the big screen. So the people that I looked up to were like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Emilio Estevez for some reason. Because <laughs> I, I, I guess I saw the Mighty Ducks. I'm like, that guy seems cool. Wow, Jay. Are you? What? Can I? Can I leave that part in? <laughs> that that I enjoyed the Mighty Ducks as a child. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Good for you for owning it. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. uh, okay, so so you your heroes were were the actors and the characters they played, right? Yeah. I don't think I really made a difference. I thought yeah. they were pretty much the characters that they portrayed on screen. And when I tried to do acting, I realized that that was hard work to separate yourself like that. Mm. So it wasn't quite as much fun as I was hoping. It would pull back the curtain a bit um, on actors are really like um, the really good ones. Uh, have a way of not only playing characters on on film, but mm-hmm. also playing characters like all the time. Yeah, when they're in the spotlight, they're even playing a different kind of character entirely. Yeah. I wonder if um, being an adult is a bit like being an actor, where you you are faking it a lot of the time. And we've just decided that uh, our new faking it is pretending we're kids again or still. That's possible. You're kind of going with the flow. Yeah. And you still kind of feel like you haven't quite made it, that there's something that you're not doing right. But if you can go with the flow, no one will catch on. Yeah, that's interesting, because sometimes you see actors who are clearly flailing in that too, and they're projecting so hard this image of success and you know it's insecurity or if you if you recognize enough of yourself in it you recognize that it's insecurity not actual success mm-hmm. and i think we do that as grown-ups too um i wonder how much our kids pick up on our flailing around i hope not <laughs> i really hope they don't how old are your kids jay uh jacob's two almost three and Izzy is nine months now. Oh, okay. I understand you have two daughters, right? Yeah, yeah. Gwen is 11 and Paulina is uh, seven. Okay, so you're out of one danger zone moving into another. Yeah, exactly. And right. they, I think, are smart enough to to see my flailing sometimes. It's hard to let myself flail in front of my kids and admit that I don't know what I'm doing. Right. I think part of that's because you didn't really see it much from your own parents. Totally. Totally. They hide it so well. They do. They always had a united front, the two Mm -hmm. of them. If they didn't agree on something, the discussion ended real fast. And then they came back when they had their stuff together. They hid all the flailing from you. Yeah, maybe. What about your parents? Did they, were they, did they have it together all the time? Uh, my parents divorced when I was really young. Ah. Most of my childhood is peppered with uh, the, the bitterness that comes with that. Yeah, me and my brother were separated. He grew up with my dad. I grew up with my mom. Oh. And there was a lot of animosity that came out of that. Huh. Did you still have a responsible parent and a, you know, trying to be your buddy parent? Yeah, yeah. I think. You know, my mom was doing what she could to, you know, keep food on the table, make sure everyone's getting through school and getting good grades. Yeah. And then when summer comes around, it's time to go to dad's and have fun. <laughs> uh, that's a bit unfair that you associate like summer holidays with your dad. I mean, that's a big boost to his fun grown up image. Just right. time of year. That's interesting. 
uh, may be a thing that happens in a lot of split families like that. Well, yeah. I think it even happens in a lot of together families, too, where one parent's the heavy and the other one's the one that lets you get away with chocolate after bedtime kind of an idea. Oh, no, I'm that one. <laughs> so is my husband. <laughs> Back to hiding it, though. Um, yeah. what, what would you imagine would come out if, when you were young, your parents had Twitter <gasps> or Facebook? What would they be saying oh. behind your back? That you see all of your friends who are supposedly grown-ups and have it together in the eyes of their families and their children. But then they turn around and they tweet these crazy thoughts. That would be wild. I have never thought... I mean, and my, my parents are like anti-social media. They wouldn't go near the thing. But if they were into it when they were my age... Wow. I think they worried a lot it's possible i'm gonna have to think about that one while what do you think, think your parents would have said i think there would have been a lot of fights mm, between the two of them and <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um yeah i think in our generation we turn to it partially to vent mm. and partially to connect with others who are like hey this stuff happens it's okay to feel that way you know, it's okay to be frustrated at life, at your kids, at your job. It happens to me too. I sympathize, I empathize, I favor it and I retweet that because I feel the same way. Right. And our parents maybe went to a bar and talked with other adults about those same problems. Maybe. Yeah. My parents went to Bible studies and talked about those things with their friends. <laughs> that's right. what my parents were into. Um so, yeah, I guess that's right. Do you uh, compare yourself, your success as a parent against your parents? Maybe not so much as a parent yet because mm -hmm. we're still pretty early in that game. But yeah. as an adult, for sure, by 30, there were three kids and we owned a house mm. and they were already divorced <laughs> and moving on with their lives. Yeah. And my deadline for starting a family was 30. Yeah. My deadline for not eating ramen noodles for, for supper was 30. I just barely made it. As in you were 29.9 when you had your first kid? Yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I turned 30 that June and he was born in December. Yeah. Yeah, I was 30. I was 30.9. Like it was later that month that I turned 31 when I had my first two. I had a lot of like those notches under my belt. Is that the right metaphor? I think I'm mixing there. Um, before, you know, the other things, the house and the high powered career, I had those before my parents would have had them, but I had kids after. Right. And I, I think we have the luxury in this generation of waiting. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think it's just more socially acceptable, plus things like birth control and and post-secondary education enable that delay. Definitely. Plus kids, maybe they're, maybe they're getting sexually active earlier, but they are smarter about it. Uh, yeah, I don't think they're getting sexually active earlier. <laughs> I sure I hope not. Who knows? You don't get a whole... I don't think statistics are suggesting that it's earlier or later. It's probably about the same generation to generation 
but yeah, you're right. I think people are smarter about it, even teens. Let me pause for a moment, Jay, and okay. uh, tell you about our wonderful sponsor, Campaign Monitor. We talk about Campaign Monitor a lot on goodstuff.fm. We prefer them instead of another email company because of the quality of their product, the amazing people that work on it. Not only has Campaign Monitor enabled us to create newsletters that are beautiful, but working with them is fun and hearing about new features is exciting. If you need to set up a newsletter for yourself or a client, Campaign Monitor is the way to go. Their user interface is easy to navigate and you can get your clients the tools they need to create and send newsletters that get them more involved with their customers. Go to campaignmonitor.com and get started today. Thanks to Campaign Monitor for supporting good stuff and I guess we're grown-ups now. Did you how long were you married before you had kids? Oh, I have a confession for you. Oh. Is that we're not actually married yet. Hey, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Been uh, running a, a long con here for an engagement. <laughs> and that's another one the ones. You know, you put totally I recently you, found out I have a friend who's yeah, like engaged but they're expecting and nobody cares. I mean, not even her parents care. Yeah. It's just fine. Yeah, and a generation ago, it was shotgun wedding. Yeah, exactly. Um, were you together as a couple for quite a while before, or were you new to each other? We had been together for a couple of years yeah. at that point. We've known each other online for a very long time. Oh, interesting. And I had her come up at a point where we were both not happy with where we were in our respective relationships. Yeah. And we kind of broke off from those and started our own, and here we are. I think like it's seven years later. Wow, good for you. Thank you. I think it's interesting how there's this new phase of life that our parents or grandparents' generation didn't have of getting to know each other as adult couple before parenthood. I mean, not everybody goes through that, but I think mm-hmm. a lot more couples are. And being in the, like, very immersive, dual-income-no-kids kind of experience is something a lot of the previous generation didn't have. Yeah, and that's a great thing to be able to do, too, because you have a lot of freedom. Yeah. When you've got, you know, extra income coming in and and really nothing to spend it on but yourselves. Right. I I miss that downtime where, (laughs) you know, for... Days at a time, it's just the two of you. You can do whatever you want and enjoy each other's company. Do you remember sleeping in? What's that? I know. <laughs> the sleep deprivation has removed it from your memory even, hey? That's right. Oh, man. Oh, my days start at 4.30 on average. Oh, Jay. It gets easier, buddy. I sure hope so. <laughs> Once they can make breakfast for themselves... And then they decide that it's not worth it. And then they right. sleep in too. Yeah. Ages one to five. That's some heavy lifting or zero to five. That's hard, hard physical work. Never mind the like mental and emotional stuff. Yeah. It's uh pretty draining after a while. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I, I look forward to when, as you're saying, they can make breakfast for themselves and sit down to not Saturday morning cartoons anymore, which we did, but, you know, Netflix. Yeah. And be entertained and, you know, kind of be out of the way for a while. Yeah. 
it's nice there's an age about right now for my kids like seven to ten where a, some of there's even some content on tv or on netflix or whatever that's kind of tolerable as an adult and you can even watch it kind of together oh that's good yeah <laughs> you because know, like, we've been watching color crew i don't even know what that is it oh my horrible. god <laughs> it's uh from a series of shows that are branded baby first. Ew. Which our toddler decided that he really likes. Right. So he'll pick it out from the list anytime he can. It's just a step up from those like Beethoven videos that yeah, they used yeah. to do. Yeah. Baby Einstein. Yeah, those ones. Yeah, we watched a lot of those. How do you feel of yourself as a role model in, in your generation? I take a particular feminist bent to my being a role model especially as a parent of two daughters i'm like i'm working full-time um my husband's taken on the more traditional homemaker role for the most part so we're in a real flipped house when it comes to traditional gender roles right and so i think that is my main uh, sort of my main theme to being a role model for my kids at least well and for for other people I might meet, um, trying to embody all I can about a woman with lots of rights and lots of privileges and trying to just live the best I can with that is, is how I approach it. And I think, and, and owning up to all my flaws and weaknesses, I think is an important aspect of that. Um, acknowledging the drawbacks that come with you know, being the sole breadwinner or, or not being the stay at home mom, you know, making sure that all of those things are crystal clear to my girls as they move forward in life and decide what they want to be, whether that is trying to have it all or trying to have a career or trying to have a family and focusing on any one of those, that they're clear that they have options and that they, they can make any choice they want, but knowing that those choices they make have consequences. Mm-hmm. What about you? What do you think about when you think about being a role model? Um, well, I'm hoping that, you know, when kids see me, they don't just see another big kid. Hmm. First off, I don't dress like an adult. I don't carry myself like some hoity-toity, you know, I'm, I'm older than you. I don't have anything to do with you sort of guy. Yep. But what I'm hoping that people do see, like younger people, is that I'm you know, doing what it takes to get things done. Uh, my kids are growing up in a household where mom is home all the time and dad goes to work when he has to work and there's no really set schedule to it. Mm. And things will come up out of nowhere. I'll get a phone call and have to just run out because there's an emergency that I have to go tend to and start taking calls right away because, you know, some server somewhere blew up, right? Yeah. So they don't have... The incredibly structured nine to five, you know, one parent working situation that we may have been used to. Mm -hmm. But I'm hoping that, you know, when they, they see me doing all this, it's for them. Yeah. And yeah. I'm supporting them by, you know, working when I can. I think showing kids uh, flexibility is important because kids... Mm -hmm are not flexible little human beings most of them anyway like most of them crave 
structure and for things to be the way they expect them to be and don't deal well with unexpected. And I think teaching them to deal with irregularity and and the unexpected is is important. Yeah, with this uh, transit lockout that we have right now, right. it's it's changed a lot of things. You know, we go to the Shaw Center every day, and it's become part of our you know kind of daily routine and structure. So if it's a day where I don't have to work early, we're out there. They go into child minding. I get my workout in. We come back, and Jake's favorite part of the whole thing is riding the bus. Hmm. He wakes up and he asks if we're going on the bus to the pool. Even though he's going to child mind and there's no swimming involved, he wants the bus to the pool. <laughs> That's cute. So today I got them all up in the stroller and we went out the door and we turned right instead of left. And we walked there instead of taking the bus. And he was destroyed until he saw that we were going to the pool. And then he was okay again. I find transitions are hard for my kids, even as they grow up. And maybe they're hard as adults too. But leaving one place and going to another place... Or, or bedtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find kids struggle with that a lot. How many times did you move <gasps> throughout your childhood and adulthood? So as a kid, I moved a lot. My dad mm. had a job where first he went to university for it, and we moved to cities for that. And then he got a new job, and we moved for that. And then he got a different job, and we moved for that. I think as a kid, I moved seven or eight times. Right. And as a young adult, moving back and forth for university and summer jobs, I moved like dozens of times um, until I settled. And now as an adult, I've moved three times, maybe. So it's slowed down a lot in the last 15 years. So, And my kids don't have that moving mentality where, sure, you're in this school now with these friends, but in three years, it might be somewhere else and somewhere different. And that's a big difference, I think. I really, right. I really hesitate to think about moving to another city because of having to tear up our kids' you know, infrastructure, social infrastructure, even though as a kid I loved that. I loved moving. It was a fresh start and new places and new people. But, uh, but I get that when you haven't done that, it's, it's a pretty hard thing to, to face. What about you? I was in the same house until I finished grade school. So like grade eight. Mm -hmm. And like, it sounds like you moved following your, your father's career. Yeah. Whereas we moved following uh, my mom's social life. So after, you know, however many years that we lived in this house, at least 15, I'd say we had the mortgage paid off. Everything was good to go. And then she sells it and we move in with this guy who's not the father figure, doesn't really try to be. And, you know, they try and bring everything together, stay there for a while. And then we have to move again. Some other guy and things got like really weird and unstable throughout, you know, high school until I moved out myself. So moving for me wasn't a really fun thing at all. Right. So I, I could always see some sort of disaster around the corner coming along with it. Right. You associate it with a lot of risk. Mm-hmm. So have you moved with your kids at all? Uh, no. We moved into this apartment building when we were pregnant. 
because we needed another bedroom. Yeah. We were in a, like a basement suite, studio apartments. It was just two of us. There was, could have used some elbow room, you know? Yeah. But we were okay. But we were pregnant. We needed more room, so we came out here. And I've been wanting to move again to get more space. So I, I feel like, you know, the kids deserve their own rooms, right? Yeah. But we've been putting that off until we can get our finances in check and that sort of stuff first. And it's not something I really look forward to doing. But I, I just know that, you know, eventually we're going to outgrow this little apartment building. We'll want more room and a yard and all those anemones that come with it. Yeah. And headaches. <laughs> That's a whole other headaches. show. <laughs> One show someday will be home ownership or, or a couple of shows. Oh, I can't wait to be a homeowner. <laughs> to be responsible to fix my own shit. <laughs> There's a crack in the foundation. The shingles yeah. need replacing. Yeah, good times. Well, I've got, you know, there's there's a cupboard door fell off and I haven't had a spare time to go talk to management about it yet. So it's just, you know, sitting set aside somewhere. So I'm not allowed to fix it. That's That's weird. I don't miss that about apartment living either. It is kind of nice when it's on your terms. Mm-hmm. Even if it's something like really ridiculously expensive, you know, the blue like a furnace going or water yeah. heater. Yep. Those are the things that you always associate with. Oh crap. Yep. Exactly. I'm responsible for this. Yep. What do you think the best thing is about being a grown up? The absolute best thing about being a grown up. Can't say that this is 100% for everyone. Because right. I know some people still have this, is not having to be self-conscious about your interests and the things that you think are cool and fun. Because if it's you know when you're twelve and on the playground and everyone's you know playing superheroes, right? Yeah. And you're the one kid who wants to be a fairy from Ferngully. It's not going to go over well. And right. I'm not the one who wanted to be a fairy from Ferngully, by the way. <laughs> but, you know, that that one kid had a really bad time of it. Right, right. But now that we're adults, you know, maybe it's a little homogenized because everybody had to see the Avengers movie. Everybody has to see X-Men because that's the cool new thing. Everyone sees Guardian of the Galaxy. But, you know, if you splinter off from that, you say, hey, here's some other cool movies that I enjoy. People aren't going to, like... I don't know, give you a swirly in the toilet for it. Right. No, because I you're think, a big nerd. I think that's a key aspect of being a grown-up is realizing that, A, you can't like everything um, because there's just too many things. You can't go to all the movies, so you have to pick some, and hopefully you pick ones you like. And if you don't like them, then you pick a whole different genre and try, start trying things until you find something you like. So, so you can't like everything and that there's no right answer to, to what you like. And I think, I mean, you start to get that as a late teenager. I think in adulthood, you really get that you can like whatever you want. And cool isn't really a thing. Maybe that's why yeah. kids say parents aren't cool. It's, it's not that we're uncool. It's, We're over cool. Right. It's that cool isn't meaningful anymore. Mm-hmm. And not liking something doesn't mean that's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's funny. It sounds obvious that liking things or not liking things isn't cool or stupid, that it's just liking them and not liking them. But it's amazing how persistent of an idea that is when you're younger and how long it takes to shake it. And that you can realize that you've been acting like that on some particular aspect of your life without being conscious of it until you decide to reject the notion and not try to live up to other people's expectations of cool or not cool. Mm -hmm. That is one of the great things about being an adult. You're right. You're not beholden to that anymore. All right. And I think we're easier on each other if your friends happen to like something else that you're not into. You just go, okay, whatevs. And it's not a big deal. There's some gentle ribbing, but it doesn't turn into playground bullying. Well, right, exactly. And it doesn't stop the other person from liking what they like. You just go, okay, whatever. So you're not into arcade fire. Great. I doesn't change the fact that I like them. Arcade um, fire. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> so what do you think is the worst thing about being a grown-up? The worst thing, and this is going to be the obvious easy answer, is bills. Oh, Oh my god, the bills, they keep coming. Every month, it seems. <laughs> Almost like like it's scheduled. I know. There's there's some jerk out there who's, you know, just writing these things out, saying, hey, <laughs> you owe me a hundred bucks now. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of hard to see as a kid, too. I even wonder if it's more hidden now, like I pay all my bills online. So my kids don't see, like, bills come in the mail. I don't sit down with the checkbook once a month. They never see it. They might not even see cash much. Well, right. Well, yeah. Don't really understand what's going on with that debit card. Yeah. That's going to ruin them. (laughs) Well, except they'll never have to. Like, we don't see cash anymore either. Yeah, not much. Mm. Less and less all the time, right? Yeah. Kids are expensive. Yeah, I didn't understand finance when I was younger. When, When... you know, my mom insisted that we were out of money and couldn't do something. I said, let's go to the bank and get some more. Right. Yeah. That's where you get it. Right. It's that easy. Did your parents uh, try to teach you any financial management skills when you were growing up? No, and here I am. <laughs> I got what I needed from school. Right. Right. That is a good thing about school. It's a backup plan for your parents. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Do you worry about elapsed time? How old are you? I'm 32 now. So do you think about the fact that life is passing you by? Every day of my life. Yeah. And I'm so worried about the things I'm not going to get to do. Did you worry about that as a kid too? Like, is that part of your personality or do you think you adopted it at some point? I adopted it. The second I started hearing that clock ticking, hmm. which would be, you know, your first medical emergency when you realize that you are not immortal. Right. Things are going to happen. I had I had a friend who was in the hospital for like straight up cancer Oof. not too long ago. We're in our 30s. That doesn't happen. Right. But it happens. Totally. And now you have to worry about it. Hmm. So, you know, there's there's things that you're not going to get to do. There's media that you're not going to get experience which you know a lot of what we do right now is just trying to take in as much media as we can yeah and you gotta be okay with it or else you will drive yourself crazy 
Yeah, it's hard to scratch things off of your mental list of things that you sort of assumed that someday you would you would do. Right. Is there like a big vacation that you've always wanted to do that have haven't gotten around to yet? I don't know if if I would if I would classify it as that I wanted to do. It's just that I've had assumptions that well, of course you'll get to see Africa or right. of course you'll get to Europe. But it's like I'm now 42. Maybe I won't. Like those are expensive and not always easy to make happen. And uh, I've latched myself with another human being or four um, or three rather who might not want to do that with me. And you get enough media of those places that you'd start telling yourself, well, maybe it's enough that I've seen, you know, the last king of Scotland and maybe I don't have to go to Uganda. Yeah, you've experienced enough of it just secondhand. Right. If you just go there and look at the Blarney Stone, it's going to be boring. <laughs> it's exactly. just a stone. But it's terrible. It's not true. Like, you can't get places from movies about them. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'd almost argue the opposite. You start to understand the movies when you've been to these places. And so right. it is super depressing to start thinking about, okay, well, maybe New Zealand won't ever happen because there's billions of people who live and die without doing these things. Right. There was, well, maybe two generations ago, you lived, grew up, breathed and died within the same 50 mile radius. Right. And you found love in that 50 mile radius. And, you know, if it didn't work out, that's too friggin' bad because right. that's what you got. Right. You know, I, I met Bree online. I had no idea where she lived when we decided that we liked each other. And, you know, we shrunk the world and brought her over here. Right. Yeah, we're really lucky to live now in, in those terms. But there's still things I'm never going to do in my life. And that is humbling, I guess. It makes you really want to appreciate the things you do have and do get around to doing. Right. But I do know that if I stick it out, one day I will retire. Yeah. <laughs> so if I can retire before I die, I'm going to have all the free time in the world. At the end of a good vacation, I tend to say mentally to myself, okay, I can die now. You know, I got that trip in. Uh, that's It's been on, you know, my list of things I need to do for the last year. Okay, I'm good now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's kind of silly. Well, we got one really good vacation in together before we had kids. Ah, uh, where did you and go? That was, it was San Diego. Ah, uh, fantastic. We did the zoo and we did SeaWorld. And we had a beautiful hotel with a pool and a view. Nice. And they had these, they were like trees, okay? But they were, they were straight and narrow and they had these weird sort of palm leaves coming <laughs> off them. I never seen these things in person in my life. Isn't it crazy? Yeah, I they were to, everywhere. I know. I went to San Francisco a while ago, and I'm like, "You guys have palm trees. This is amazing." I've only seen those on Miami Vice. Oh, I know. They really exist. You can walk up to them and like touch them, and it's awesome. All the California listeners are like, "What is wrong with you people?" Oh, yeah, you say that now, but you come up to Canada and look at our fir trees. That's right. <laughs> say the same thing. So you mean they're they're green forever? Like, like evergreens? Evergreens. Hmm.
our, our 20th anniversary is coming up this year, so we're hoping to do a trip or something for it. Something beyond like going to a nice restaurant for an evening. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're that's our next thing. Try to get off the continent and do some exploring. Well, first, congrats on 20. Oh, thanks. Are you going without the kids? Oh, yes. Yeah. That then that's fun. going to be the best vacation ever. <laughs> totally. We're going to North Battleford, and it's going to be the best vacation <laughs> ever. It doesn't matter where you go. I know. As long as you are not responsible for stuff. <gasps> the best thing, this is not a parenting podcast, but the best thing is our 11-year-old is now old enough to look after her sibling. Like, she's taken a babysitting course, and she's right. a very responsible human being. So Mark and I can go out. And it's it's like getting a little piece of that pre-kids life back again. Mm-hmm. So just hang in there, Jay. It'll get better. Yeah, and hopefully by that time, you're at the point where you can go out for dinner with your husband, and you don't spend the entire time talking about the kids the anyway. kids, exactly. No, I think there's a lot less. Like, I remember going through that zero to five stage, and... The amount of time you spend talking about your kids, it definitely goes down. Because what you can start to do is talk about them them with themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think there's less parenting talk about kids as they get older, too. Yeah. Well, that's good. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd have to start a podcast about it. Yes. I totally think, I think Experts on Everything needs to come back and <laughs> have at least occasional episodes. It's about time to wrap it up. In closing, is there any uh, anything you want to mention? Ways people can get in contact with you. Uh, so just follow me on Twitter, action underscore J. Excellent. And anything that I do will just end up there. Nice. It has been fantastic talking with you. And uh, hopefully there will be another tweet up soon and we can hang out in real life too. Sounds if good. You, if you can get away from the kids for the evening. Well, hopefully. And that's a wrap on episode two of I Guess We're Grownups Now. Thanks to my guest, Jay Barron, and to our sponsor, Campaign Monitor. You can find all the details about this episode and other episodes at goodstuff.fm slash grownups. We're also on iTunes where you can download and listen, and you can leave comments there too. We have a Twitter handle. It is grownups underscore FM. Feel free to get in touch if you have ideas or feedback about the show. Thanks for listening.